Hello there. This is Benny. This is Kyle. And you're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. The only independently produced podcast where I watch the third season of Doctor Who and tell you all about it. Welcome to season three, folks. It's been a long road getting here, but we've made it to season three. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> um, yeah, we got, we got a much longer road ahead of us. Uh-huh. Um, and I always, I think I always add if, if we end up doing everything, cause, um, we'll see, <laughs> I think, I think the, uh, the enormity of our task is so great that I can't ever like, you know, seriously believe that we'll do it all. Um, just like in my brain, I can't like conceptualize it. So I always go for however long, for how long <laughs> we end up going, uh-huh. but we did at least two seasons. Also happy new year's, Benny. Oh, happy new year's, Kyle. And Happy We're New Year's. Recording this in November, but uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Happy New Year's to our listeners. If you are listening to this the day it comes out or shortly thereafter, then and if not, uh, drink some champagne anyway. <laughs> um, this is your excuse. Yeah, I mean it's a new season. You could consider that like a new year of the Doctor's a Watcher. New beginning, exactly. Well, cool. So. What are you up to, Kyle? What have I been up to? I've been playing a lot of Hades recently, actually. Nice. Yeah, nice. I kind of hadn't played it for a little while, but then I got back into it and I've been playing it a lot. Uh, cool. I've made really good progress. I I don't know. I probably shouldn't give too many spoilers, but I think I've passed what is probably considered like the epilogue of the ongoing story. Nice. Wow. And I've completed most of the prophecies. I still have a handful of prophecies left to complete, but... Cool. Yeah, I legit don't know if I'll ever make it that far in the game. <laughs> um, my my pride keeps me from turning on that setting where you can like get a little bit tougher each time you die. Oh, yeah. I and, see. And um, I think I've hit my skill ceiling, so... <laughs> Welp. <laughs> I have that setting on, but I'm currently on... I I want to be clear, I'm not bragging, but I'm currently on, like, I think a 20-game win streak. Nice. So then I'm like, should I turn God Mode off? Maybe I should. But then I'm worried that if I do, I'll, like, immediately break my win streak. But then I'm like, uh, if I break the win streak by turning God Mode off, like, maybe that's what's meant to happen. So I don't know. I'm kind of undecided on it still. Yeah, well, um... Do do whatever makes you happy. Do whatever makes the game more fun. Like, it's funny. In theory, I'm always a big fan of like, yeah, play on easy mode, whatever, you know, if you enjoy that. Um, if, if you know, the, the, the challenge isn't your thing. And like me, I, 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 I'm not like super into the challenge or, or the bragging rights for having done it on normally or, or hard or hardcore or whatever. But then I also like... It's my pride. So maybe, maybe it is the challenge. I don't know. Uh-huh. Um, it's, it's that admission that I'm not, <laughs> I don't know. I don't have the, the skills or whatever. Um, I think my damage resistance so. at this point is probably like 74% or 76%. But like I do usually still have a, a, a lot of life left when I win the game. So, so maybe even if I turn God mode off, I might still be able to do it. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Um, it's up to you if you ever find out. <laughs> well, if I do, I might or might not ever mention it on the Doctor's Watcher. <laughs> yeah, I think we've, I know we've talked about Hades before, so 
might come up again. Um, in the meantime, like over here, we've been watching Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities, which is good. Um, it's sort of an anthology series with uh, each episode has a different story, different director. Um, Guillermo del Toro is the producer and creator, and he sort of introduces each episode Rod Sterling style. Oh, Sterling, that's Sterling, whatever the guy from Twilight Zone is. Um, yeah, uh, they're, they're horror, but they're sort of different types of horror. Uh, a lot of emphasis on practical effects. Nice. It's, it's a good time. They're, they're all about an hour, so it's a little longer than our usual um, evening watch, but not so long that we can't just watch it on a work night. I was in a school night. <laughs> <laughs> um, and other than that, Jenny Nicholson just released her Evermore Park video, which she's been working on for a long time, and I've been really curious. Um, so I watched that. That was really fascinating. I'm, I'm sort of weirdly fascinated by Evermore Park. As, as our listeners may have noticed, I'm really into like D and D and fantasy and stuff. Um, and I find theme parks really fascinating and like the stories behind them. And Evermore Park is this kind of D and D themed theme park in Utah. And I, 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 and Kyle, we both used to live in Utah. We actually met in Utah in college. Um, and so the, the, this, uh, D and D theme park in Utah is sort of fascinating to me and also fascinating in apparently the, very bad business decisions that have been made all along since this place was built. And apparently it's just like hemorrhaging money on and barely hanging on. So maybe by the time this episode comes out, they'll have already closed, <laughs> closed up shop. Who knows? Well, I um, have not but, heard yeah. of Evermore park, but if it still exists, maybe we should go make a road trip someday. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know if it's worth it. <laughs> maybe, maybe watch this episode of Jenny Nicholson's show first. On yeah. YouTube. Then I'll, um, I'll decide. Yeah, she uh, she does not give it a ringing endorsement. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Um, yeah, that's that's it for me. Should we uh, get into it? Yeah, let's do it. This is, of course, the first episode of season three, 400 Dawns. 400 Dawns. Now I remember what the, I was trying to remember what the title was because <laughs> I remember like, you know, goofing on it uh, in uh -huh. our previous episode in the, the season two wrap up episode. And now I remember our, our goofs. <laughs> yeah, there's just a, a whole giant crowd of, of mafiosos. Yes. Uh, a, a bunch of ninja turtles with purple purple headbands um, <laughs> i don't think we even made that joke last time but maybe maybe we should have or maybe uh -huh. maybe now it gets to be fresh i don't know trying to think 400 of 400 dons of other famous dons but i'm not coming up with any well it's actually 400 d-a-w-n-s as in 400 mornings which is pretty pretty great i think it's a very evocative yeah it's um, nice imagery for an episode yeah yeah and that's all I know about it. So please, please tell me more. <laughs> oh, hi, Matilda. Oh, that's our co-host. It's funny, behind Kyle, um, I can see the doors. I, I can't see Matilda, but I can see the doors sort of swinging open a little bit more as she came in through the, the ajar door. So this was written by William Ems, the one and only. Oh, that sounds like a new name. 
Uh, I say the one and only because this is the only Doctor Who serial that William M's wrote. <laughs> it is a new name. Excellent. <laughs> I so, think we said this before when we had like a, a one and done where it's like, well, if it's no good, then we don't have to worry about this person ever coming back and giving us another clunker. If it's actually good, then, oh, well, like, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that's all we got out of him. Most of this serial is actually missing. There's only one episode that currently survives of uh, like the is, actual. Is this it? No, this is not it. Um, <laughs> this is one of the missing ones. <laughs> this is a missing one. You can find loose cannon reconstructions of of all the missing episodes of the serial. Uh, that's cool. how I did my first watch through, but. Even better than the loose cannon reconstructions, the BBC actually commissioned official animations of the entire serial, including the one episode that's not missing. Oh, hilarious. It's like, well, might as well animate them all. Uh (laughs) And yeah, those animations are a lot of fun. I think we've watched official BBC animations like once or twice before. So you can buy the animations on DVD or there may be other ways of watching it, mateys. For example... I think you be picking up on what <laughs> Kyle be putting down. You may be walking down the street and you find this box on the sidewalk marked free and you find the DVD inside of it. <laughs> uh, and I, I think you all know which street to walk along to, to find that box, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I would ask what the cliff dangler was but i don't think we had a cliff dangler no they just sort of left (laughs) at the end of the last one they left the the time meddler in his uh little monastery and they peaced out and that was it this episode starts up on the tardis in the control room basically and vicky is giving steven a haircut as the TARDIS is landing on a desert planet with three suns. So, oh man, three suns, they're upping the ante. Uh-huh. <laughs> Our last desert planet only had two. Uh, are, you, are, you, are you watching George Lucas? You uh, thought two suns was still the hotness? Um, Maybe he hadn't okay, gotten so very far asked. into Doctor Who when he made Star Wars. He was still in the first two uh, seasons. Missing out on the opportunities. Um, so I, I have to ask, given that our, our last haircut um, that we saw was Barbara cutting Ian's hair in the Romans, and that was clearly very shippy, and not just us saying it was shippy, but it was actually like intended that way for once. Uh-huh. Um, how shippy is this scene, Kyle? Um... I think there's definitely potential, but it was not meant to be shippy in the way that Barbara cutting Ian's hair was. All right, all right. Um, after the, uh, the the Steve Jobs Vicky ship um, was was sunk in the Armada Battle Royale in the second season wrap up <laughs> episode, uh-huh. now the ship named Sticky is available again. So we've right. got it ready to go as soon as as soon as the opportunity presents itself. She might still be on like a Steve rebound though. <laughs> uh, well, we've got the. We've still got most of a package of cocoa left that says sticky on it, so you might as well (laughs) find a use for it. Uh, (laughs) The doctor's instruments show that this planet has oxygen, 
It's got Andy. a nice temperature. It's got normal atmospheric pressure. So like everything you might want out of a nice three sun desert planet, but it's completely silent. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder if it's possible to have a planet so obviously conducive to life and yet without any. Uh, I dig it. Very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how conducive to life three suns is. That seems like <laughs> there'd be a lot of, I don't know, take a lot of sunscreen to live on that planet. But, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll take the doctor's word for it. He seems to know what he's talking about. Maybe they're all underground. Maybe that's why he doesn't see any life. I guess we'll find out. Maybe. <laughs> Depending on where the cereal goes. So they all start preparing to head out of the TARDIS and explore the planet. But before they can leave the TARDIS, a robot approaches. Nice. It's this little robot that's probably about three feet tall, I would estimate. And it's shaped like kind of a bunch of half domes stacked on top of each other. Huh. You know, like the classic, the classic like desk bell that you'd find in a hotel lobby. Oh, it, interesting. Yeah, it kind of made me think of like th- three or four of those in a stack, where like each one is is smaller than the one it's on top of. And so, it's, is it is this like a, like a kind of a snowman type deal where you sort of yeah, but it's just half spheres instead of like the full balls of the snowman. Basically, yeah, and they're even they're even white. Oh, interesting. The the half spheres can kind of like move up and down a little bit and kind of when they're up and extended, then it can like kind of stick probe arms and stuff out from in between the spheres. So what, what, what's the vibe that we're getting from this? Is it cute? Is it weird? Is it slightly like disconcerting? Um, It seems pretty cute so far. Excellent. That's my default response to any uh-huh. robot. <laughs> It kind of comes up to the TARDIS and it actually bumps into it and it kind of like continues to bump into it as it sort of like feels its way around the TARDIS in a circle. Cute. Like something trying to discover by touch. Something blind. Hmm. Interesting. So it's a it's a silent planet. This robot is blind. Mm-hmm. Might be. Wonder where that's leading. The robot finishes its loop around the TARDIS and then it kind of moves away from the TARDIS a little bit and it moves into view of the scanner. So, you know, the DM reads the description to the player characters. Mm -hmm. They can all see it now instead of just hearing it kind of bump into the ship. And Vicky says, Oh, look, it's got a sort of... Chumbly movement. Chumbly? Yes, you know, what sort of chumbly. Chumbly. It's like, it's a very evocative word, I guess. It's uh-huh. very, um, it, it, it creates a certain feel to it. Um, that's fun. Yeah. It kind of flashes, flashes a light. The PCs think probably it's doing, you know, some sort of communication with its maker. And... This leads the doctor to decide that there must be intelligent life here on this planet to have built something like this. Mm. Stephen is worried, though. That thing might have been dangerous. Mm. What are we going to do about it? I'm going to find out. Come along, my child, and bring my stick. 
<laughs> Excellent. Uh-huh. Yeah, the doctor doesn't believe in fucking around. He's going to skip straight to finding out. That's a person of action right there. They all head out of the TARDIS. Vicky smells flowers on the air. And, you know, she finds a nearby bush that's like roses, but not quite. Hmm. Well, so we have um, no sound, a robot that seems to be blind, but we do have smell. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I might just be completely (laughs) off in a weird direction here. The robot shows up again. Our characters have decided that the robot is is called a chumbly. I had a feeling that's where that was going. <laughs> it felt very kind of like branded almost. Uh-huh. Like, uh, like the BBC had the lunchboxes ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> so the chumbly shows up and, you know, it kind of like sticks a rod out at the PCs from in between some of its half spheres. Rude. They are, you know, not sure what this rod is. They think it might be a gun. So the doctor tells everyone not to move. But as they all don't move, the Chumbly kind of starts moving around them. And it seems like maybe the Chumbly is trying to herd them. Hmm. They're still not quite sure, though. So they continue to not move. And the Chumbly goes over to one of the not-rose bushes, and fires a laser out of its rod, and the bush burns to the ground. And then the Chumbly... Oh, that got the message across. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Chumbly comes back over to the characters, and they're like, yeah, maybe we will go where it's trying to hurt us. Mm Mm-hmm. A wise decision. They travel through the desert for a bit, followed by the Chumbly, and the camera shows us that there are two women hiding in the rocks ahead of them. Like humans or humanoid? Yeah, two humanoid women. They are wearing light blue jumpsuits. I should mention the animation's actually colored. Oh, nice. For a second, I was like, how would we know? (laughs) Uh They're wearing light blue jumpsuits with kind of like white shoulder and collar areas. And they've got, like, white hair and blue lipstick and eyeliner. And then they've got all these cool little dots, like, all around their eyes. Sort of like, Hmm. you know, when you do, like, the anime girl type makeup. Interesting. So, um, yeah, is it weird watching Doctor Who uh, and seeing it in color? Like, seeing Vicky and Steven and uh, the first Doctor in color? A little bit weird, yeah. And I, I'll also mention that in this animation, Vicky's wearing just like a solid green dress. But I believe in the original version and in the loose cannon reconstructions, her dress is like a checkered pattern. But they decided that would have been like too complicated to animate as she moves around and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These two women also have some pretty badass laser rifles. Nice. They're like these, you know, kind of big rectangular rifles with like big translucent yellow blocks on the end of them. Excellent. The two women wait until Doctor and Vicky and Steven all pass them, and then they throw a metal net over the Chumbly, 
which, you know, immediately its spheres kind of all, all collapse into each other and it seems to like turn off. Hmm. Guess they're not fans of the Chumbly. It turns out these women are the Draven. Nice. The the Draven versus the Chumbly. Uh-huh. The age old <laughs> age old conflict. We are from the planet Drava in Galaxy Four. Oh, that galaxy. Yeah. Way better than the first three. <laughs> That's actually the name of the serial, Galaxy Four. Oh, I dig it. Yeah. Even so, wait, does that mean that we get uh, confetti and fireworks? Yeah, I think they do generally do confetti and fireworks for the serial name as well. Excellent. Yeah. So, yeah, this serial's called Galaxy Four, even though, spoiler alert, we are not in Galaxy Four in this serial. This planet that we're on is not the planet Drava, and we spend (laughs) the whole serial at this planet that's not in Galaxy Four. But that's the name of the serial. Why not? (laughs) Well, actually, I think Kyle just told us why not, but oh well, we're doing it. You're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. If you enjoy our show, please leave us a five-star review and tell a friend. We appreciate you, listener. You can reach us by tweeting at Dr. Watcher or emailing thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com. And now, back to the episode. The Draven explained to the Doctor and the other PCs that the metal mesh prevents the control waves from reaching the robot. So it's basically like a Faraday net, I guess. Interesting. I dig it. And these women are under orders to rescue the PCs and take them to the Draven leader, Maga. Cool. Yeah, her name, Maga, is, you know, like matriarchal you know what? We're not gonna... aliens are great again oh boy <laughs> <laughs> they say it a lot in the next few episodes so i mean just just the sound of it ignoring anything from the past few years irl it's a it's a word that has kind of a cool sci-fi sound again if you pretend that you've never uh-huh. heard this before and uh and there are two a's at the start it's m-a-a-g-a <laughs> yes, we, we we got that from the acronym. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Our characters are debating whether they should go with the Draven or not, and the Draven tell them that if they don't go with them, more machines will come to capture them and take them to the Rills. Okay, so the Chumbly works for the Rills. Got it. Right. And I will say that if you, if or when you want to do some image searching, you can search for the Draven and the Chumbly, but you're not allowed to search for the Rills yet. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's do it. Um, so, Chumbly. Um, I might, I might not have spelled it right. Does it have an E in it? That's what the... Yeah. Oh, okay, it does. It's C H U M B L E Y. Oh, it's cute. I love it. Yeah, the Chumblies are yeah. pretty great. Pretty much exactly the way 
uh, Kyle described. <laughs> and, then um, and what's the other thing I'm looking at? Draven is D R A H V I N. Cool. Kind of a uh, maybe cheesy is the best word for it. <laughs> kind of sci-fi, very very kind of pulp inspired outfit. Uh huh. Yeah, it's nice, like a good '60s sci-fi costume. Extremely '60s, and yeah, the, the the ray guns or laser guns or whatever are also really fun. Yeah. So the Draven tell them that you know if they don't come with them, the Chumblies will come. Well, they don't call them Chumblies, but the machines will come to take them to the Rill. And the Draven say that the Rills are these crawling murderous things that are not people and the doctor's like oh i should like to meet these rills <laughs> they sound fun <laughs> crawling and murderous <laughs> sign me up <laughs> but there are four more chumblies approaching so the pcs decide that maybe they will go along with the draven and meet maga cool the two draven women try to retrieve their metal mesh from the Chumbly, but they can't. The Chumbly seems to be magnetized, and apparently the mesh is stuck to it, basically. Also, would you want to retrieve your your net if that's the only thing that's keeping the Chumbly from, like, you know, activating? Uh-huh. Well, I think they they mention later that it's the only the only one of these nets that they have. Oh, dang. Okay. <laughs> And they don't really have much time to try to free it before the other Chumblies get close. So they basically just all flee the Doctor and the humans and the Draven. The four new Chumblies all drive circles around the old Chumbly for a few moments. And then one of them uses an extendable grabber hand that comes out from between the spheres to you know, grab the mesh and pull it off the other Chumbly. And then the four rescue Chumblies all drive away. And a moment later, the fifth one kind of powers back on and its spheres kind of pop back out again and it drives away. Oh, cute. I mean, even if they're bad, they're still cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and all, all five of these Chumblies were in frame at the same time. We definitely had at least four in frame at once. I I think wow. we did have all BBC. five in frame. Had some had some robot budget for this serial. Uh huh. They're probably you know trying to invent the next new Daleks or something. Oh, I'm sure that's which that's part of it. Probably yeah. means we'll never see a Chumbly again. <laughs> the humanoids all run through the desert until they arrive at the Draven ship which is a large octagon with porthole windows and large like landing strut type things. Very cool. I'm picturing something extremely pulpy and, uh, you know, classic sci-fi. Yeah, it, it was definitely very classic sci-fi. Excellent. Like, yeah, right off the cover of 1950s pulp sci-fi magazine. Love it. And inside this ship, our characters meet Maga, who is dressed similarly to the Draven we've already met, but her outfit 
is based on dark blue instead of light blue, and her hair is blonde instead of just white, and she doesn't have the blue eyeliner, and her lipstick is red. So clearly she's the leader. Yes. Uh, A palette swap. She explains to the PCs. She starts giving the backstory and explains how the Draven are at war with the Rill and that things here on this planet are bad enough that the Doctor and his crew could potentially all get killed as well. Well, there's there's our stakes. Uh-huh. Apparently, the Rill have informed the Draven that the planet is going to disintegrate in 14 dawns. Uh, wait, we, we, we're, we're, we're here for 400 dawns. Uh, we may have to cancel our reservation. <laughs> <laughs> the Rill have been repairing their ship so they can get away from the planet before it disintegrates. But the Draven ship is not going to be able to be repaired in time. Apparently, they were shot down by the Rill, and, you know, in that and in the crashing and whatever, they're not going to be able to repair the ship. Does it seem like these five Draven are all the Draven on the planet? It does seem like that. So they could could fit in the TARDIS. Uh Uh-huh. Steven finally gets around to asking if they're all women, if all the Draven are women. (laughs) Steven. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we have a small number of men, as many as we need. The rest we kill. They consume valuable food and fulfill no particular function. I mean, fair. Yeah. It's reasonable. (laughs) Maga also explains that... She is the only Draven of all the ones they've met that's truly living. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) They are cultivated in test tubes. We have very good scientists. I am a living being. They are products and inferior products. I I guess that's why their their color scheme is unsaturated. Right. Yeah. Their, their their clothing as well as an inferior product. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, after this little diversion, she gets back to the adventure backstory. Some 400 dawns ago, we were investigating this particular section of the galaxy. And, of course, the fireworks all go Confetti, off. fireworks, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Draven were apparently searching for a planet to colonize. Drava, back in Galaxy 4, was getting full. So they were out searching for somewhere to colonize when they found this current planet. They entered orbit around this planet, and then a ship they had never seen before, which was the real ship, showed up. And it shot at them. They crashed on the planet but not before shooting back, which also caused the real ship to crash on the planet. Nice. And then after crash landing, the real killed a Draven soldier. Mm. And about this time in the backstory, as like as she's telling the backstory, a Chumbly starts approaching the Draven ship, which 
fires a laser at it. Oh, nice. Uh-huh. And the Chumbly gets hit by the laser and it kind of like powers down and collapses for a moment, but then it like powers back up and just chumbles off. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's that's some powerful chumbling going on. <laughs> Maga says that the Rill have tried to tempt the Draven onto the Rill ship so they can kill the rest of them. You know, so the Rill can kill the rest of the Draven. Hmm. But Stephen suggests that maybe they're actually trying to help and legitimately offering to rescue the Draven since the planet's going to explode in 14 days. Like, how do they know it's a trick if they've just been, like, you know, turning them down, essentially, or, right. or even firing back at them? The doctor's like... On the other hand, it might have been a pack of five. What do you mean? Well, this planet could last another billion years. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not sure if you're really contributing there, Doc. <laughs> He says that he's a scientist, so he can find out. But in order to do so, he'll need to go back to his ship. Okay. Are the, are the Draven like, wait, your ship? <laughs> Tell us more. Uh-huh. Maga decides that she's willing to let him go because she wants to find out this information. But she doesn't want all of the PCs going, basically. And Vicky volunteers to stay behind so steven and the doctor both head out vicky's like so tell me more about this all women society where you kill the the superfluous men <laughs> and she's like looking right at right at steven and the doctor as she says it, and she narrows her eyes <laughs> <laughs> you know i do really like blue 60s sci-fi jumpsuits <laughs> Very flattering. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen and the doctor are approaching the TARDIS, and they kind of watch from a distance as two Chumblies also approach the TARDIS. One of the Chumblies tries and fails to drill through the TARDIS door, and the doctor is pretty much unconcerned. Well, they'd have to be pretty well advanced to break my force barrier. <laughs> nice. Always always good to have that force barrier. Uh-huh. After the drill doesn't work, the Chumbly fires its rod laser at the TARDIS door. This also has no effect. Excellent. And the two Chumblies both chumble away, and Stephen and the Doctor head into the TARDIS. Excellent. Inside the TARDIS, the Doctor heads straight to his astral map and starts checking things out. He tells Stephen that the reels were right, the planet is going to explode, and they all need to GTFO ASAP. And they're like, well, sorry, Vicky. <laughs> Oop, uh -huh. we go. Why's that? The Dravins did say 14 domes. Two dawns. Tomorrow is the last day this planet will ever see. Oh, dang. <laughs> well, I wonder if it's some, somehow like, if you have three suns, then that's three dawns every morning. Well, even then, that doesn't work <laughs> out. And yeah, with this, 
the words next episode, Trap of Steel, appear on screen. That's a good type of trap. Hard, hard to get out of the steel ones. Yeah, totally. If it were, you know, trap of grass or or trap of cardboard, uh-huh. that, could, that wouldn't be very compelling. It could be like one of those little finger traps that you get your fingers <laughs> caught in and you have to like press in to get out. I don't know. Like I, I've seen those work against lieutenant commanders in Starfleet. So. That's true. Those are those are, are, are pretty effective. <laughs> well, cool. This is a fun little serial. Very, you know, cheesy, hokey, pulpy, classic sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah, nice way to, to start the season off. I, I, I do think that the BBC probably wouldn't have bothered giving the robots such a cute name as Chumblies if they're going to turn out to be bad. So <laughs> um, I suspect that uh, as we follow that thread, um, the Chumblies will turn out to be cute, friendly, and marketable. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd like to say thank you to Circuit 23 for the awesome theme song that he's made for us. You can find his new album, Men's Vermis, at circuit23.bandcamp.com slash album slash men's hyphen vermis. Excellent. And we'll have a link in the show notes yeah. as well, so you don't have to be <laughs> writing all that down, folks. You can also find his other music at soundcloud.com slash circuit23. You can email him at circuit.23 at gmail.com. Well, thanks to Kyle for telling me about Doctor Who. And thanks to Benny for listening to me talk all about Doctor Who. And thanks to the uh, listeners listening to me, listening to Kyle talk about Doctor Who. (laughs) If you have anything to say... Oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> we, we don't know which of us is going to do this bit. This is our first time you know, doing a live outro, us? folks. I mean, I don't know if I, the later ones are going to be any smoother, but um, <laughs> yeah. If you want to email us, you can always reach us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com. And we are at just Dr. Watcher on Twitter. Um, the share, social media platform of the future. <laughs> yeah we uh we'll, we'll see how much longer uh if twitter even still exists um, <laughs> when this episode comes out we'll see uh-huh. how much longer we're gonna keep uh, recommending that um but but yeah um don't forget to tell your friends um and if you enjoyed the episode please rate and review we we love getting those five-star reviews um they always make our day and uh yeah We really appreciate it. Come back in two weeks to hear about the Trap of Steel. Excellent. Bye. Bye.
You know, I think you rather underestimate the wills. Why should they tell you that this planet is going to die? Hmm? They were trying to tempt us on board their spaceship so that they may kill us. You know, it seems to me as if they offered you help. That is what they maintain. They might have been speaking the truth. They might have meant it. On the other hand, it might have been a pack of five. What do you mean? Well, this planet could last another billion years. Yes, but we have no way of proving. I have. I'm a scientist.